With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Outkick 360 and the Tennessee Power Hour is here. Alongside Chad Withrow, I'm Jonathan Hutton. Pleased to be joined by Paul Kuharski. Live from Titans training camp. Full padded practice today. And a lot to get to as uh, Paul joins us as media availability has just wrapped up with uh, players and coaches. Paul, I know Taylor Lewan recently spoke about his health. Let's start there. Taylor Lewan, feeling good, getting eased back. Uh, you know, wants to do more than he can. He said uh, he's never been excited to practice, but he is stoked right now to get a man reach. So uh, any little bit he can get, he's excited to get. Um, you know, he's obviously going to take the pace that they give him. He's not doing a lot. Um, and I can't see them hurrying him in. Uh, not hurrying him. I mean, I, I just think right now he can be Derrick Henry, right? They, they don't need to do much with him um, to know that he'll be ready on the opening day. So um, he, he seems in a really good frame of mind. He said uh, during his rehab, he actually kind of kept a journal. He didn't use the word journal. I think it's probably – uh, he diary. wouldn't consider it masculine enough, maybe. <laughs> he didn't say diary either. He said he wrote in a book every day. Okay. Um, you know, kind of things that he wanted to manifest as he reset uh, himself. And he wasn't taking any great pride in what he did last year in the five games. He had no penalties um, and didn't allow any sacks. He said, uh, with my track record, that could have turned around real fast. So, uh, you know, joking about um, – the fact that he played a clean five games, but that didn't mean he was going to play a clean 16 games and that he knows it's a game-by-game thing with him. Um, they certainly can use his, his energy, and there was a lot of talk about his energy. Um, and they need him. Uh, you know, today was a day that it, it kind of came came clearer to me that Dylan Radens is not uh, stepping into the moment by, uh, by any means right now. Um, and... Uh, uh, you know, Lawan Le- back in there settled things down, but uh, you know, I predicted that Ravens wouldn't be on opening day. And um, heck, Mike Vrabel said, you know, uh, about Dylan Ravens, uh, not good enough right now. You know, he'll make a good play, and then he'll uh, make the same mistake that uh, he's made before on on the next play. He's not seeing the consistency that he wants to see out of him, and uh, it's clearly leaving a lot of room and opportunity for other guys. Um, like Quesenberry and Lamb and Sembrello, though he's not all the way back yet. Uh, Raiden struggling right now is no no shock uh, on August the 4th. Um, I, I expect Kendall Lamb to, to lead this job for a while, but I still think it's up for grabs. I, I, I think by the end of August the 29th, they'll name a starter, but they're going to wait a while because they're going to give Raidens an opportunity. I think he's the better athlete, Paul. Uh, I don't think he has the best technique in the world, and they're throwing a lot at him right now. They praised him for that during OTAs and minicamp, that they threw a lot at him, they moved him around quite a bit, and that he picked up on it. Now they're asking him to take that in each day and then 
go back out and work on technique that he learned the previous day. If he can catch up to a guy that had 27 starts, he, he's going to have he's got a work ahead of him. But based on what I've heard from those around the facility, they actually buy into the fact that this guy could be a starter sooner rather than later. Yeah, uh, I mean, that's no secret based on how they drafted him, right? But uh, I, I think outside of it, uh, based on his current work product, and again, what are we, six, seven practices in? Um, two, that, that's two not a lot. Practices in. Yeah, two padded practices in. But he's, he's also kicking inside to guard. So he's mm-hmm. playing both tackles. He's playing guard. I think if you're dead set on getting him ready for tackle right now, you're not doing that. But also, they're beat up on, at offensive tackle, you know, and they loaded up. Um, at the position because they knew not only uh, was Luan unlikely to right. practice much right. early, but uh, Sam Brilo is coming back off of uh, off of the list and not going to be able to do much early. Uh, Paul Adams, I think, hasn't been out there for a little while now. Um, and their depth on the interiors sucks. I mean, we could get more into that. I, I, I wrote some, some names down to, to go into it a little bit deeper. It'll take me a second to find it, but the interior. So the first half of this practice hut was a, a lot of unscripted. It was a very unscripted practice with a lot of team move the ball, right? Uh, they put it down. They tried to drive, score a touchdown. They didn't score a lot of touchdowns. They kicked a lot of field goals both ways. Um, but you're looking at guys like uh, on the defensive line, guys like Anthony Rush, Daquan, not Daquan Jones, sorry, Naquan Jones and Woodrow Hamilton. These are not studs by any means. Uh, Naquan Jones, I think a lot of people liked as an undrafted rookie. Uh, but they're dominating guys like Herring um, and, uh, and Munyer and, and these, these lower-level interior offensive linemen. And I don't think these defensive linemen are great. Naquan Jones has potential to be very good. But I don't know that Anthony Rush and Woodrow Hamilton are going to be uh, NFL guys or, or here. Uh, maybe one of them is on the practice squad. Uh, their depth on the interior we knew was a problem. Aaron Brewer is another guy that's out, right, from the beginning, a guy that they really like. And so uh, offensive line uh, overall is, is losing to the defensive line. And it's really losing to um, on the on the depth end of it. One 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 thing I'll point out: Raiders lost to uh, Ola Adeniyi, um, who's a, a special teamer. Right, that's a guy that shouldn't be whooping him off the edge. And I think he was playing right tackle, and Adeniyi uh, kicked his ass off the corner and and put Tannehill in a very tenuous situation. It might have been Woodside. E- either way. That's not the kind of guy that should be beating your second round right tackle really clean. Um, that was one of the more dis- disappointing plays of the morning. What what is the plan for Lawan? Have have they laid that out in in some form or fashion? Not from Taylor's point of view, but from the coach's point of view. They have not. He won't lay anything out beyond uh, you know maybe tomorrow, and he'll usually say, "Yeah, tomorrow's plan for him will look like a lot a lot like today's." And uh, we're not thinking beyond that. So uh, I wasn't in there for all of Taylor because I was uh, getting set up here. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, now he gets the boot. Yeah, we'll try to reconnect with Paul. Maybe, uh, <laughs> maybe it's uh, one of the media members that he's pissed off over the years messing with him <laughs> out there. They pulled the plug on him. Plenty, plenty of culprits. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, PK is back. Paul, who was tossed from practice today? 
Brady Breeze, which is the first time I've, uh, I think any of us noticed him being involved in a play. Um, so that was, that was pretty exciting. Uh, it was very late in practice. Vrabel made it like it was partially not a big deal for that. And he was sympathetic to breeze. You know, he said, guys getting out there has a chance to make the play, but you know, pointed out what happened in Carolina the other day with somebody suffering a terrible concussion. Um, that guy got cut immediately who, who made that hit. Breeze went high on Desper Pat- Fitzpatrick, who went up to make a play in the end zone and uh, kind of put a shoulder into his head. It was a dangerous play. Didn't have a, a bad, bad result. Vrabel uh, voiced his displeasure with it and then, like, pondering it while he was screaming, said, get out of here. Uh, you know, our thing, like we like it. GKFO. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of, uh, kind of the attitude that Vrabel had, sent, sent him off. Any, uh, then discussed any, it pretty thoroughly afterwards, saying, you know, the guys are in a tough spot. They're trying to make a play. They want to make an impression. But we can't have that. We're putting somebody in danger. Any reaction from, from the other players around him on that? Not really. I think it was kind of a business as usual kind of thing. Like, you know, if you do that, you're, you're going to get in, in trouble. It's not a wise course of action. Um, so I, I don't think the defense was rushing to defend him, not vocally anyway, probably sympathetic, like, hey, that could have easily been me um, if I, you know, wasn't super cautious. And the offense probably pleased that they, they know that the coach has their back and is going to defend them in a situation like that. Paul, I was with our buddy uh, Keith Bullock a couple nights ago, and he asked me, he goes, he, he calls me Huddy. He goes, Huddy, is Tier Tart legit? That's all I hear about in all these practice reports. And I said, well, funny enough, Paul, Paul's mentioned him practically every day that we, we've had a practice report from Titans training camp. Now that you've had a couple of practices with pads, you mentioned the interior defensive line is greater than the interior offensive line. Is a big part of that tier tart? And if so, why? Yeah. I, I mean, look, you think about who they rolled out there as their top three last year compared to Simmons being paired now with Tart who I think is a more conventional nose, certainly, than uh, Daquan Jones was. And Autry, who's a more versatile guy, certainly, than Jack Crawford was. Yes, Jack Crawford yes. is very much just a guy. Uh, those are significant upgrades. Now, Tart is in better condition. He's a, a more explosive guy, and he moves pretty well for a big man. He's still not that big. I was thinking about this, Hot. I mean, think about what John Robinson did. You're going to help me with the names here. Um, at defensive tackle. But he spent a lot of money on a couple of guys back-to-back who really didn't produce, veteran guys. Now, we're post-Sean Smith here, um, and I'm going to fail to remember the names. I'm hoping you guys could help me off the top of your head. Um, one of them, damn, I remember because I broke a story. I got a good tip, and it was a very short thing. But they, brought, they had back-to-back defensive tackles that made a lot of money. And really didn't do anything. And I, I feel like... David uh, King was Mike, one of them from Seattle. Yeah, David King they traded for, but he wasn't a nose. He was more of a, uh, a movable piece. Benny Logan. Um, I, I, Benny Logan was one of them for sure. Uh, and, and then a, another on the heels of that. And uh, I think he wound up in Indianapolis. Um, but they... Uh, I, I think Mike Vrabel kind of has gotten John Robinson out of the thing where you need to spend significant money on a nose and said, you know, this is a, 
a position where we don't have to spend a lot. We can find a big body guy. Naquan Jones can play this position behind here, Tart. They would be spending minimal money on two undrafted rookie free agents, uh, one in his second year, one in his first, get productive snaps out of those guys who are very much a role player. I mean, nose tackle is as defined a small role position on this team as any. What are you going to play, 40%, 45%? It shouldn't be a high-cost job. Uh, You need to tie some people up in the run game and penetrate a little bit more than what they were penetrating where – um, the guys outside of you can feel somebody coming with them and you might get the quarterback off the spot a little bit more. Um, so I, I think Tierra Tart's been good, but I think there's also a lot of hopefulness there, right? Because you really want that position to be productive. And I think next to Jeffrey Simmons, between Jeffrey Simmons and Danico Autry, um, somebody could be primed for success there. Sylvester Williams. Is the Sylvester tackle. Williams. Knows, <laughs> Thank knows you. You're thinking about. Yeah. Really bad that I couldn't think of Benny Logan and Sylvester Williams. Two guys who made really good money here and did not produce. Paul, we spent a lot of time asking questions about kicker. Uh, how's it looking at backup quarterback right now? Everyone other than Tannehill at quarterback, what have you seen? I mean, I think Logan Woodside is, is fine. He's been what he is. I think Kaiser, uh, you know, I think – you could probably say about Kaiser what I just quoted Vrabel saying about Raidens. Uh, you know, seems to make similar mistakes on a on a daily basis. I think he's probably been a little bit better. I, I don't think he's throwing the picks at the same rate that he was throwing them early. Um, he's got some athleticism, but he, he looks very kind of stiff and rigid to me. He spoke the other day. Uh, he had some good things to say, said, you know, talked about the, uh, the quarterback and waiting the the COVID quarterback situation last year and is optimistic, you know, that he wouldn't be that guy, uh, if he, if he's here going forward, uh, which is, which is a good thing. Obviously you don't want to be separate of the team and working with the coach uh, alone and, uh, and largely by Zoom, that's no way to kind of incorporate yourself into an offense. Um, and so he's got a big chance here to do things. But I think, uh, Chad, he's going to make or break whatever chance he has here with some significant playing time in, um, in preseason games. And the other thing that Mike Vrabel has said, and, and this is kind of the hard truth of being a guy contending for a, a third or second spot, is – it's about what he does when he plays with the with the good guys, with the you know get some chances with the ones, but certainly with the twos. And it's about how he manages himself and the players he's with when he's with threes. You know, can he get them in and out of the huddle? Can he get them lined up? Can he handle a guy uh, being in the wrong place or you know recognize when when a guy is uh, you know this guy is doing things better than that guy. Um, you know, and I think Woodside and um, Kaiser are going to have chances uh, at both of those things and need to shine. But I, I think, uh, look, we give Teron Davenport from ESPN grief about it outside here um, because he had Kaiser on his, uh, he did a pre-camp 53-man roster. He had Kaiser winning the job. And I said, boy, you fell in love with that guy during OTAs. And he said, I fell in love with him at Notre Dame. I, I got to be honest. And I think he's the guy that led the charge on the idea that Kaiser had a chance to overtake Woodside. I don't think anything that's happened out here suggests there's any uh, – there. There, let's put it this way. There's a good separation between Woodside and Kaiser 
in my eyes, and I think most people's eyes, in terms of the what they've put on display out here so far. Well, and certainly, th- certainly, there's good separation between Tannehill and Woodside too. I was going to say, like that, it's good for debate, but Woodside or Kaiser, they are screwed if they screwed. have to go to either of those yeah. guys. I, I would and take the one Jacob. Thing that's important to remind. Well, the one thing that's important to remind most people is that virtually every team is screwed. If you have a good number one quarterback, there are very few teams in the league that are not screwed. Right. Um, if they go into the next guy, but, now but what Paul, you would have? I don't, I don't think I don't think many are like to this Colts. level. I mean, this is a new level of screwed. Like even the Colts can go back on. You know, Jacob Eason was a projected first round pick that fell to the fourth round. That's got physical skills, and as a young guy, they got in the fourth round, and that's even one of the worst screw jobs in terms of backup <laughs> quarterbacks, and that's light years better than Logan Woodside or Deshaun Kaiser. Well, I'll take intense knowledge of the system over time, handing the ball to Derrick Henry and throwing to A.J. Brown and, uh, and Julio Jones over, over the musculature to steal George <laughs> Takei's uh, line of uh, Jacob Eason, even if he played in the SEC, Chad, which I know uh, gets you excited. Yeah, he didn't finish the uh, SEC. He finished at Washington. He started at Georgia, and he transferred. And also, how did Matt Castle's knowledge of the playbook work out for the Titans? Well, Matt, Matt Castle's old. old. Yeah, the, you have to the physically be able to do the job. Gabbert, right. Well, the problem with Matt Castle and Blaine Gabbert were that they were old. Logan Woodside's not old. Look, I'm not saying Logan Woodside's good, but we've had this conversation. I've come after watching old backup quarterbacks suck, and we know their ceiling, to say, go ahead, take a flyer on a young guy whose ceiling we don't know, who maybe can surprise you and be good. Blaine Gabbert's not going to surprise you and be good. Matt Castle's not going to surprise you and be good. I don't think Blake Bortles is going to surprise you and, and be good. So... Uh, you know, Logan Woodside, name your name, but a team that's going with a unproven guy who hasn't had a chance to do anything yet. Well, that's a different tack. And we've seen the other tack. So take a fly. Their backup quarterback is Derrick Henry in the Wildcat formation. That's exactly what I was about to say. I would snap it to Derrick Henry before snapping into Logan Woodside in that situation. They're not, they're not throwing deep with Logan Woodside. It's going to be very rare, right? They're going to be a move the chains, yes. throw throw 12-yard passes, uh, try to get yak, really force teams to come up and play eight and nine in the box against Henry and pick your, your chances to throw over top of it. And those chances to throw over top of it are short throws looking for yak. Paul, uh, speaking of yards after catch in the receiving game, Julio Jones, Josh Reynolds, what, what do you know 24 hours after we had the update that neither were at practice yesterday? Yeah, shockingly, uh, Rabel didn't say much about Jones. Uh, you know, hopes he's not in a position to be answering the question every day. Uh, really nothing on Josh Reynolds. I, I, said, uh, I said something like, was that knee surgical? Uh, totally joking to try to get him to say what knee and what surgery, yeah. um, which would have been some information like, well, it's not a knee and it's not surgical. Uh, but he didn't, he didn't go for that. Um, so we, we don't know anything about anything. <laughs> what was his exact response to that question, Paul? Now, now you've got me curious. His response to my question was to look at John Glennon and, uh, with, pu- with puzzlement. Which uh, which uh, I, I I I love. 
I like the um, attempt, though. It's creative. Yeah, it is creative. It was something different, right? It was just kind yeah. of uh, whimsy in the moment. But I thought, what could I do here to, to ask in a different way? So maybe that'll be my new thing. I'll just name a random body part and a guy and put the two together and see if something sticks. It's a, it's a better way than saying, uh, uh, what's up with Josh Reynolds? Uh, other than just, just maintenance on guys like Lawan, who, again, they're taking it slow. Uh, and, and we know Bud Dupree's on PUP. I'm not asking you to go that detailed here. Have, uh, we know Jones and Reynolds have left practice recently. Who else is on that list? Did anyone leave today? Derek Roberson was back. Harold Landry left late yesterday and was not around. Uh, off the top of my head, those are the two that I'm thinking okay. of. No Landry, no Jones, no Reynolds. Roberson back is what I wrote down. Um, Sam Brilo, though, is, is, you know, he's, he's out. He's maybe doing a little bit, but he's not in team. And that's so, another uh, thing I wrote uh, today, Hutton, about the defense. You know, the defense getting a lot of credit for being energetic and winning and all of that. The defense is playing against an offense that doesn't have Derrick Henry, doesn't have Julio Jones, doesn't have uh, Taylor Luan, doesn't have Sam Brilo, who might be next up after Taylor Luan, um, doesn't have – uh, you know, Aaron Brewer, who mm -hmm. might be next up on the interior line, doesn't have Jeff Swain, who would be starting if they were in two tights. Swain hasn't been out there, I think, since the second day or whatever. So it, it's a very piecemeal offense right now. Good for the defense to be winning, but it's not beating the front line Titans offense. Well, and now that you mentioned that Landry wasn't out there and Roberson is not out there fully, uh, that's back today. That that's an even better check mark for Adeniji, who had a good day today. You said he had a good rep at least against the rookie right tackle. That's that's great for him because he's playing up the depth chart. Yeah, I think uh, you know those special teams guys that we dismiss. I'll raise my hand. I am chief among the people that dismiss Adeniji and um, uh, Matthias Farley, who talked today. Um, as not being factors on defense because they were brought here mm -hmm. predominantly to be special teamers, right? They're going to be up on a, on a Sunday, and they're going to be listed as outside linebacker and as safety. But the odds of them playing there are very slim unless there's an injury. They're not going to be a special package for them. We saw Nick DeZubnar against Baltimore uh, at outside linebacker out of absolute desperation, right? But he was absolutely a special teamer. Um, but those guys are getting snaps. Now, you go deep in camp, too, right? You're playing three defenses deep. So, uh, you know, two, four, six outside linebackers, two, four, six safeties. But Farley had an interception along the way uh, somewhere here. And uh, uh, Denny had a, a sack, like I was talking about earlier. So these are not invisible guys that are just out there uh, doing body work, so to speak. They are uh, have chances on defense and have done – Something, something with them. So, uh, you know, it, it's more than uh, more than just a special teams role for them at this point. And, you know, I think uh, you got a couple safeties who can play some corner. Uh, this is shifting gears a little bit, but like, no, a, a couple corners that can play some safety. So Farley being able to play safety combined with like Chris Jackson being able to play some safety may make a you know a guy like Breeze. Um, doubly expendable unless he's really an outstanding special teamer and I think there's only so many of those guys you can have coming up 
we are going to continue the thorough assessment of practice today. Paul's going to give us an update on it, just what he's noticed. Uh, Rashad Weaver, I, I did notice a video that he posted there on the rookie uh, rush end. We'll, we'll discuss that from the linebacker's point of view. Uh, also, punt returner. What's, what's the latest there with the pads on it? Punt returner. And we'll discuss Big Jeff and what's a big year for him. Jeffrey Simmons and compare that to who he's playing next to and Danico Autry and where the expectations lie up front on the interior defensive line. That's all coming up on the Tennessee Power Hour Titans Training Camp Report with Paul Koharski. I'll kick 360 and the Titans Training Camp Report with Paul Koharski alongside Chad Withrow. I'm Jonathan Hutton. Glad you're with us. Lance Lee, Jakob Swanson, David Reed making the show happen for us. Paul, who is in the running for the punt return job? And right now, how would you stack the competition? Well, Hill and Evans haven't been back over there from what I could tell. I watch them closely today because I'm going to write something about it soon. Um, and so it's, it's Chester Rogers. It is uh, um, Cam Batson, and it's Mason Kinsey. Uh, you know, Rabel kind of scoffed when I said, is it going to be one of those three guys? And he said, well, they're the three guys back there now. So until somebody else shows up um, to, to – to go over there. Yeah. Um, you know, Cam Batson has three returns for four yards. Mason Kinsey has no returns. Uh, he did it at Barry college. Cam Batson did not do it at Texas tech. And, um, uh, Chester Rogers did it at, at Indianapolis a, a lot over the last four years. So I don't see how he wouldn't be the favorite. Not that that experience trumps everything, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, he, he's got a lot more experience than anybody else. And I think his career average is uh, better than Adoree Jackson's was. Not, And we know Adoree Jackson was a story of failure, not, not success. But um, I, I watched them today. Eric Frazier, uh, who's like the offensive skill coach, uh, had a couple of uh, – Chad, they're probably popular when you guys go to the pool, those noodles. Um, yeah, and yeah. He oh, was, yeah. I, know, I know the noodles well. Hit, hitting the guys right after they caught the ball with noodles, um, you know, to kind of distract them a little bit. They were catching first off the machine, and then they were catching from a man (laughs) that I confess I don't know much about on the roster, uh, James Smith. Did we know that there was a second punter on the roster? We spent a lot of time on the kickers. Uh, James Smith, the camp way punter. I did not know either. I, I looked over and I was like, who is number eight? Um, and so Matt I learned Mock. that he is James, James Smith. Yeah. Matt Mock. Can he talk? Matt Mock. Can he talk? It's kind of his nickname. Uh, and he could talk and he was a frequent guest on Chad's show. Um, so well, they're, they're going to keep uh, you know, seven receivers, right? I mean, that, that's what this is telling us based on this competition. It would seem like it. Uh, uh, I mean, the punt returner is one of those guys and one of those guys is a receiver. Um, but I do think that that um, that Chester Rogers could make this team as a receiver slash punt returner as opposed to really just a punt returner uh, because he's been he's been quite good. It gives him a leg up on Marcus Johnson, who's been better than he has as a receiver, and I think is more versatile than he is as a receiver. Whereas Rogers, I think, is more of a slot 
guy, but has also been a very good receiver. And I think those two guys have kind of pulled away from the field right now. I would put um, uh, Fitzpatrick and Westbrook Aquina a notch below, and then and then Batson and and others um, after that. But they are consistently running with the guys who are out with Jones not playing with a lot of team and now out and with Reynolds out, you're seeing a lot of 88 and 80 Johnson and Rogers running with the ones on off. A couple other uh, news notes, observations, big Jeff, Jeffrey Simmons, Paul, it, he spoke yesterday, and, and going back and listening to his press availability, I'm paraphrasing, but he, he mentioned that you know he wants to be more disruptive. He, he wants to be more of an impact player. He holds himself, and the bar is set at a higher standard year to year and game to game. How do you describe his approach, and, and how would you describe his impact on this team to this point? Where, where's the ceiling for Jeffrey Simmons based on expectations that we have for him? Ceiling's very high. Right. He can yeah. he played played very well and he can play a lot better. Uh, he made some giant plays for this team over the last two years. He can be more consistent. He can be more effective against the pass in particular. Um, and I think he will be. Uh, I think he's he's got the things that you need. Um, he can chase plays wide. Uh, he's got the, the speed and the, and the ability to shed blocks and go do that. And I think we're going to see him in the backfield more. And I think that's a point of emphasis. We were talking about these three guys. Autry gets into the backfield more than Daquan Jones ever did. Um, and Tart looks to have the ability to, to penetrate a little bit. And I, I think Simmons, particularly if, uh, you know, if Landry and Dupree, once he's healthy, are doing it, I think we're going to see all these guys in the backfield more. That's certainly the intent. Um, but that's that's what rounds Simmons game out and he's determined to be great and he knows he's not going to be great if he's not in the backfield more often and so he's got to beat double teams or whatever's in front of him and uh and push the pocket more more consistently um and and further deeper and um I I think he's got his heart set on doing that I think he's determined to do that I think he's a determined guy with the right mindset and uh, I I think we're going to see that from him and I think he uh, is capable of leading people who will follow him, uh, you know, follow him at work here, at practice, at, in the weight room, all of that, and hopefully into the back. Uh, final thought uh, from practice, then we'll get to PK storytelling coming up. Um, Rashad Weaver, um, any update on or observation from his work so far? I did tweet out a rep of Rashad Weaver on the sled to which a coach said, slow 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 and some expletives about how slow it was so he was not impressed with weaver's get off or hand and body action into this sled or his feet you know uh, everything goes into a rep on the sled there and they wanted to see him far more explosive than he was on that rep so slow 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 is not 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 what we want to be hearing about uh, rashad weaver at this point in time, look, it was easy for us to presume that Rashad Weaver would be the third guy because the third guys had been so bad. But, uh, uh, you know, I don't know that there's anything that would tell us how to rank those guys with Wyatt Ray still in the mix there. Roberson still in the mix there. He missed uh, maybe a day and a half. 
And now uh, John Simon, who, you know, isn't going to be real fast either, but uh, is another one of those guys that knows, sure as hell knows what to do. So uh, I mentioned him yesterday on the, on, on the interception he made in the end zone. And what, what Vrabel was asking for there was for Ferkser to come back and draw the pass interference that would have landed them a first and goal at the one, which he said, you know, Derrick Henry's going to get us in one play. And so he was on Ferkser not coming back and drawing contact on that play when John Simon made a good interception. So uh, you want me to tease what I have here when we come back? Well, I'll, I'll, I'll say this. So during the last break, Paul, we're going through notes of practice and everything else, and Paul just casually drops in. Oh, I got into it with Drew Rosenhaus, super agent, out here at camp. You guys want me to tell that story? And Hutton and I look at each other and say, well, absolutely, we want to hear this." <laughs> and, there's, and there's history here. There's history yes. here. I hate Drew Rosenhaus. Yeah, we'll, get, we'll, Rosenhaus. we'll get to this story coming up. First, though, it is time for the 360 parlay. Time to make it rain. Chad, we needed the Dodgers. They had two runners on in the eighth, and somehow last night the Giants get out of the inning. Somehow, um, the, the Dodgers lose that game. Uh, excuse me, the Astros, not the Giants. Uh, the Astros get out of that inning uh, despite two pitching changes. Dodgers lose. I lose the parlay. You, sir, have the honor. Yes, I do. And I believe we have the parlay up for you right now. And I'm asking Jacob to put it up there because I, quite frankly, don't remember it. <laughs> um, there it is. Yes. Oh, I had Louis Giants Cardinals. on the mind because you're so, taking the Giants' money line. You mentioned this, Hutton, yesterday about the Braves not losing back-to-back games. The Braves have not won back-to-back games since well before the All-Star game. Uh, they have alternated win-loss since the All-Star break. They won yesterday. Yep. So I'm picking the Cardinals to win today on the money line. Giants on the money line against the awful Arizona Diamondbacks. And I'm going under for U.S.-Australia. I'm uh, going with more of a defensive battle in this game tonight that tips at 11.15 Central Time. So take the under, 179. And, and that's gone up a little bit, so you can actually get it about 180, 181 now. Right. So $5 gets you $28.20. That is our winner for tonight. FanDuel.com slash OK360 to join us for the 360 Parlay. Join us in just a couple of minutes. Paul tells us why he hates Drew Rosenhaus and what he had to say to him today at Titans practice. Training camp update continues on OutKick 360 alongside Chad Withrow. I'm Jonathan Hutton. Paul Koharski joins us from Titans training camp for the report. As we wrap up, Paul, uh, Drew Rosenhaus, one of the agents. Agents come out to practice from time to time. The super agent, Rosenhaus, Rosenhaus Sports, uh, out at practice. I know he represents Jayon Brown, and we know that based on a prior exchange that you've had with him in the Titans parking lot and this was last year or the year before, I'll let you dive into details and then take us into exactly what happened today. He represents Rashawn Evans, too, so they were probably talking okay. today. Evans was over, Evans was over um, talking to him when, the, like, the ones were kind of done with practice early. They came in to drop their, their pads and stuff, and a lot of them came back out to watch the twos finish up. Evans uh, was over there talking to him for a good while. Um, no, it was Jarrell Casey where I had the big falling mm, oh, out. So right. once upon a time, once upon a time is back when Javon Curse was uh, was was uh, in line for his second contract. Uh, I did a big big feature on Rosenhaus for the Tennessean about how Floyd Reese was going to start dealing with the shark um, for the, for the first time. That's when Rosenhaus was really kind of exploding, 
Um, and Drew really liked it. And we had a good relationship for, for, uh, for a time there. But this was, Jarrell Casey was on the verge of an extension. I knew he was in the building. Uh, I ran out into the parking lot and took pictures of he and his brother leaving the facility. I didn't know that the woman they were with was Jarrell Casey's wife, but it was Jarrell Casey's wife. I was like, you're leaving the building. Something's clearly up. I'm standing right here. You know, what's up? Total jerk about it or whatever. And I'm like, well, I'm taking pictures, Drew, and I'm tweeting out that you're here or whatever. And he's like, well, I'm not posing for any pictures. And I said, well, I don't care if you're posing for pictures or not. I'm standing in the parking lot taking pictures of you in the parking lot. And so I took pictures, got a good picture, tweeted out, you know, here's Drew Rosenhaus and his brother in the parking lot leaving. Jarrell Casey's big client. Probably something going on. Yeah. And sure enough, 10 minutes later, uh, Ian Rappaport tweets out that Jarrell Casey's got a new deal with the Titans. Uh, this is, I mean, look, he could have the biggest, tightest deal with Ian Rappaport in the world. But when a, the preeminent beat guy in a city is with him in the parking lot, leaving the building, uh, it clearly, like, I, I don't understand why you can't be forthcoming there. Um, and to Ian Rappaport's credit, when he tweeted out the news, he tweeted it on top of a retweet of my picture, uh, making it clear that Rosenhaus was being a jerk. And so I don't even know what started it with Rosenhaus. Like, I never know what started it, right? But I'm walking past him and kind well, of. Hang on. You, you made say, something. I, I recall you referencing the Casey story with him in regards to Jayon. Am I, am I making that up? Well, I reference it every time he comes up. Yeah, okay. Like, I, okay. Like that he, I like that he puts his name on stuff because most agents are just sources and Rosenhaus yes. usually puts yeah, his name fair. on stuff. So I give him credit for that. But I say, He's a douche, but I respect that he puts his name on stuff. And uh, so I was walking past the area over here uh, where he was. I said something and he's like, yeah, I I can't really talk. I wasn't even really trying to have a conversation, but he's like, I can't really talk right now. I, uh, I, I am, you know, here to deal with my clients. And I look over my shoulder. I'm like, there's nobody within like 75 yards, uh, (laughs) Drew, you know. Like, you could have a two-second conversation with me because your clients aren't here yet. He's like, I- I'm not in that frame of mind to talk to you. I'm, I'm here to talk to my clients. He said, call me anytime, and I'll be happy to talk to you. And I go, I, I-, I was walking away at that point. I-, I went back. I said, how could you say that with a straight face? You- 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 you're not going to help. You don't want a phone call. You don't take the phone call. You don't help. It's I mean, don't, don't say it. You don't need it. I mean, just, just say, like, just say, like, don't, don't bother me or, you know, I, I don't, I don't help out a local guy. You're below me or, or whatever. And, uh, and he's like, uh, I, I don't even know what he said. I, I started to walk away again. He said something more. And I said, Drew, I was standing with you in the parking lot when you finished talking to finished Jarrell Casey's deal and you couldn't even be forthcoming or, or you couldn't even not lie about that. You know, you're a fraud, I said. And he said, uh, and then and then he started telling me about the end of my job at ESPN. Like he, he bothers to know, like he bothers to know the contract details of one of 32 ESPN writers when he's got a direct pipeline to Schefter, as he pointed right. out to me there. And somebody, you know, somebody with the Titans told me to leave it alone or whatever. And it, it was over anyway. But the guy is, every stereotypical agent is scum story comes from drew rosenhaus being drew rosenhaus i mean he is the quintessential guy being uh, a, a scumbag and uh don't use that as the clip uh sleepy danny um but he 
you know, look, if you want to be an agent, I mean, he's filthy rich and he's a very good agent, but he also picks up guys dry cleaning and toilet paper if they need it. And if you want to live that life, go ahead. Well, he's not Mike Moo level, well, he's, is he? He's Bob Sugar from Jerry Maguire. I mean, that's kind of the inspiration is that that agent type that's Drew Rosenhaus. Paul, how many people were around as you're yelling at Drew Rosenhaus calling him a fraud? <laughs> I, I wasn't yelling. There, there was maybe one Titans person that heard it. Uh, the rest of the people under that tent, he was like against the rope on this side of the area, and everybody else is over at the other in the seats in the area drew so, can't be you know with the, with the people drew's always got to be over you know making a thing that he's there and showing showing off well he's on tour agents you know are visiting their clients and they'll do this week to week across the nfl but normally when they're at the facility they're there for a reason are we to read anything into this the way we read into casey and others i mean if they're doing something with rashawn evans they're idiots so I hope we're not reading into anything on that. Yeah. And Jayon Brown just signed a one year with, one with year. dead years yeah. on the end of it. I, I don't know that you could extend a deal with dead years on it. So I think it's just a check-in. He might have somebody else. He might have Luan. Uh, I, I, I'm not sure. If I'm John Robinson, I'm taking a shower after every single phone conversation with that guy. Paul, if you remember, and Hunt, you'll remember this too, it was us at the Super Bowl Radio Row one time, and Drew Rosenhaus was walking around Radio Row, and I went to go try to get him on the show. I think this was pre-confrontation with Paul. Yeah. And I was trying to speak to him, and he had an earpiece in on Radio Row having a conversation with one of his clients and just kept shushing me as I tried to talk. I didn't even see that he was talking. I'm thinking to myself, who goes on Radio Row to be seen and walks around having conversations with an earpiece in, with people coming up trying to interview him. It was the strangest thing. He's a power broker, That's though, true. Paul. He, he is an NFL power broker. I know, uh, yeah, and, and recently with the Titans. Um, Jack Conklin was represented by Drew Rosenhaus, or still is, and got the mega deal in Cleveland, if I recall. He did. He will. I, I, look, you can find a guy to get you those deals who's not Drew Rosenhaus and feel a lot cleaner. <laughs> yeah. True. Well, Still a good story, um, and uh, I glad you enjoyed it. Yeah, it was good, um, and I'm I'm glad you were able to tone it down when asked to. Yeah, you know that's also good restraint uh, shown commendable. by you, Paul. Really, really, uh, you're really progressing. As Who was he? We, we like no, to hear. That. I didn't need I didn't need to engage at all. It was dumb. Well, every time Typical he's in town, man. you engage. Every time he's in town, I boil. <laughs> Paul, it's what you do. You engage. Yeah, engage, <laughs> it's engage. Kind of, it's kind of it's kind of your thing, right? You always engage. Hey, what are you working yeah, on? I always for the engage. Site? I always regret uh, something on the punters. Um, something on the punters and um, something on uh, Tommy Hudson. Tommy Hudson. There is a story behind why Tommy Hudson didn't get a lot of attention coming out of Arizona State. I've got it. Nobody else does. You'll read it at paulkadarski.com. Punters plural. Punters, plural. Pu- no, pu- I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Punt returners. Oh. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm not writing about this guy whose name I discovered today who backs up Brett Kern for the next three weeks. No, sorry. Brett, your, your feature story will have to wait, Brett Kern. Yes. It'll have to wait. Hey, Paul, we'll see you in studio tomorrow. Thanks, Paulie. Yeah, looking forward to it. Air conditioning will be lovely. Yes. And by the way, uh, Lawan is a CAA guy. Okay, good for him. Smart.
Catch you tomorrow. That's uh, that right. is Condi. the Titans practice report uh, with PK, who joins us anytime there's a Titans practice during training camp. We go live to Titans training camp for the very latest. Hit us up on Twitter at Outkick360 between now and then. You can also subscribe to the YouTube channel. You're automatically entered to win the Sony Hertz Audison prize pack. You just hit subscribe. You ring the bell so you know we go live each and every day at noon Eastern. That's actually tomorrow. Join us noon Eastern right here across the Outkick Network. Don't block the box.